have this word in my heart called living by faith. And I, I really feel this, this message should, uh, I'm trusting, would deeply impact every one of us because it's really, really moving me. Uh, I'm trusting it's going to be the start of a sort of a series that I'll take into January. And I'm really trusting that God's going to be ministering to all of us. So uh, living by faith. So about a, about a month or so ago, I was in my prayer room. And I heard the voice of God speaking to me on the inside, like from the inside up, you know, so God lives on the inside of us when we commit, commit ourselves to him. So the Holy Spirit then speaks from the inside, sometimes from the outside audibly, but that's more rare. But often it's more on the inside. You have a voice on the inside that speaks. And I, I heard this voice say to me, the only obstacle you're facing is unbelief. And it was like, okay, that's a moment. <laughs> you know, I get these moments, these moments when the, the Holy Spirit comes and, and, and drops things in my spirit and says to me, something that defines me, changes my life. And I, I really feel, you know, it's, it's a, I went to the scriptures and I went to look at, does this agree with what the scriptures are saying? You know, you don't just listen to every voice. The voice must agree with scripture. But I, 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 I believe this is true. Every The only obstacle we're facing is unbelief. Unbelief on the inside of us and unbelief in other people. That is the obstacle. I mean, you're standing in front of a mountain. The mountain represents the obstacle. And a voice says to you, mountains do not move. Says who? (laughs) Says who? You know, we have all, all of us have these voices speaking to us. Continuously ministering to us, voices of unbelief, voices that keep us from pushing the limits. You see, real faith pushes the limits. Real faith pushes the limits. You know, so <clears throat> Stefan sent me a WhatsApp uh, a week or two ago, and he, he was in Cape Town. He was speaking to some other believers in a church there, and, and, and <clears throat> you know, and he just realized coming back how special it is what we have here. And so he sent me a WhatsApp and he said, thank you for not staying in the box, for stepping out. You know, and, and when I read the message, I'm like, but yeah, that, that's sort of me. If there's a limit, I'm going to push it. Because <laughs> that's faith. Faith goes beyond the acceptable norms. I'm not talking about sin now or rebellion I'm talking about the, the unbelief. Unbelief puts limits down to us. It says to us what we can and what we can't do. The only obstacle we're facing is unbelief. Things we, the way we see ourselves, the way we see our environment. We're standing in front of the mountain and the voices are telling us mountains do not move. But in the context of an almighty, everything, anything is possible with God, surely even mountains move. Mountains move. Anything can change. So I want to stir you this morning. I want to unpack this a little bit. What is faith? But more, I want to look at what is unbelief? And how do we shift unbelief out of our hearts? How do we move <clears throat> that, those lies in a sense that's within our hearts and minds? You see, many of us, if you, you know, if you'd speak to someone... 
you probably don't think that you've got great unbelief. You probably don't. If I have to like ask, like most of us say, no, I believe. But that's the nature of unbelief. It's an insidious thing. It, 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 it slips in little bit by little bit until you don't even realize how unbelieving you are. You don't even realize how little faith you have in your heart. Okay, so I want to look at this. How can we move unbelief? What is it? How can we shift unbelief? How can we... Because in the end, the mountain isn't the problem. It's the unbelief in your heart that's the problem. I want to say the same thing. The obstacles you are seeing in your life, they are not the obstacles. It's, they're not the problem. The problem is the unbelief. The unbelief in the heart is the problem. The problem isn't the problem. If you had faith, you were able to move the problem. Okay. So God wants to release faith because he wants to see his kingdom come. He wants to see his kingdom come. So he wants to release faith in us so that we can step into the fullness of God. Okay, so let me pray for us. And I'm going to get into this. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, that you are alive and powerful. Thank you, God, that you are with us. Thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and powerful. We cannot sit under your word and not be changed. We cannot read and meditate and study your word without being changed. We cannot step into your presence through worship and not be changed. So, Lord, we just, we just, we just release faith this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, let, let the lights come on on the inside of us so that your kingdom can come. In Jesus' name. Amen. So unbelief is public enemy number one. One of our elders said that. I agree. Unbelief is public enemy number one. So let's talk about living by faith. Look at that image. There's a, a person walking across a, a rope or a cable, cable rope, across a gorge, across a canyon, I mean, now just think about that for a moment. Probably a few hundred meters down, 500 meters down to the bottom. I mean, for most of us, just uh, hanging over a three, four-story building looking down is like freaky. But imagine that, walking across like that. I believe that is a picture of living by faith. That is a picture of living by faith. Every step is a step of faith. Every step is a step of faith. Everything you do needs to be by faith. You know, you, you, I mean, you know, there's nothing between you and the 500 meter drop except this cable. So you need to have faith in the cable. You need to have faith in the wind's not going to blow you off. You need to have faith that you are able to do this. Every step, every step. I believe living by faith is when everything we do is done by faith. Everything. See, but the funny thing is this. All of us are living by faith. Every one of us have faith, but it's faith in the wrong things. Everybody's living by faith. You're sitting on that chair by faith. I believe it's not going to give in. 
Everything we do is by faith. If you drive over a, a traffic light, green traffic light, you have faith that other people are not going to crash over, over the, the, red, the red light. Everything we do, we won't be able to function if it wasn't by faith. So everybody, each one of us are living by faith in a certain way, but it's faith in the wrong thing. So when we talk about living by real faith, it is living by faith in God. Living by faith in God. So look at this verse. Um, first, I just want to read Mark 11. Mark 11, verse 22. It says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Let's say it. Have faith in God. So Jesus didn't say have faith. He said have faith in God. And then he goes on there and says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So Jesus says, have faith in God. I want to call you into faith this morning. I want to call you into a place of having real faith in the living God and not faith in self, not faith in your bank account, not faith in your intellect, not faith in anything else, because that is where the enemy tricks us. We think we have faith, and we think we're doing it by faith, but we're doing it by faith in self, faith in, in, in other things instead of faith in God. And the Lord has convicted me about this. He's spoken to me about this. On Friday morning, I felt like, whoa, God really gave me a download. Because we tend to continuously shift from faith in God to faith in something else because it's just how we are wired. It's just the fallen nature. We tend to want to have something tangible to put our trust in instead of putting our faith in the living God. So then it says in Habakkuk 2 verse 4, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. You see, when you're not living by faith, you're just existing. You're not living. The just shall live by faith. If you're not living by faith, you're just existing. But you are not living. Real life happens in the, in, the, in, the, in the area of faith in God. That's when the fear leaves. That's when confidence, real confidence comes. That's when we see God move on our behalf. If you believe it, you will receive it. If you doubt, you will go without. I like quotable quotes. If you believe it, you will receive it. If you doubt it, you will, if you doubt, you'll go without. So there's something that disconnects us from God. It's doubt, it's unbelief, it's fear. It manifests in many different ways. The just shall live by their faith. Now look at that verse. It says, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. There's something wrong in the soul of the proud man or woman. There's something wrong. If we're honest, we're all proud. We all come into the kingdom proud. That's how the world lives. That's how you function. It's through trust in self. Pride. The, 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 the proud person, their soul is not upright within them. There's something wrong. But the just, the man who is in right standing with God, he 
lives, he or she lives by faith. Everything, every step. Imagine everything you do, every step you take. It's by faith in God. Faith in God. Not faith in my car. I'm driving, but I'm not putting my faith in uh, the, 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 the safety of my vehicle. My faith is not in my car. My faith is in God. The CEO from uh, Cape Town, one of the wealthiest companies in South Africa, has a very smart, had a very smart Land Rover, and uh, he died when a truck hit his car. His fancy million-plus rand car couldn't save him, couldn't protect him. You see, it's an illusion to say our faith is in something physical. It's an illusion. But we, we try to find our, our peace or our solace, our confidence in physical things. But it's an illusion. It's not the real deal. So, so I want to challenge you to let go of the illusions this morning. To let go of our security at home or the, whatever it might be. Don't put your faith in those physical things. Put your faith that you are a child of the living God, that you have a destiny and a calling, and no man or no devil or no robber can stop the will of God from happening in your life. That is faith. Otherwise, what do we become hiding behind our high walls and our security and all those things? We become the prisoners because we still have fear. And we're still tormented. But we're putting our faith in something physical. Everybody has faith, but faith in the wrong things. Everybody has faith, but faith in the wrong things. What are you putting your faith in? What are you putting your trust in? Are you living by faith? Are you the just that lives by faith in God? Or are you like the proud whose soul is not right within him, putting his faith in other things? This is massive. This is huge. I feel like the Lord is turning the lights on in my life. Unbelief is belief in the wrong things. That's what unbelief, it's un, it's belief, but it's un. It's unbelief. Real faith is faith in God, but unbelief is belief in other things but God. I want to expose some things, the tricks of the enemy this morning, how he has tricked us to, to use our faith muscle, but in all the wrong areas. Your faith's like a muscle. You need to develop it, become stronger and stronger and stronger. So you need to refocus your faith on God and not on things. So what about faith in intellect? There's so many people whose faith is actually in their own intellect. I'm a smart guy, so I... I, I, I put my faith in my understanding. I, mean, I need to figure out. I need to understand how everything works. Otherwise, no. But I've, I've, I've promoted my intellect to a place where it shouldn't go. You see, so many of us think we know so much. We think we are so smart. Mankind thinks we, we, we think we're so smart. But compared to God, little brain. Little brain. Very small. But now we, we get the degree, or we have this, we finish this thing, or we, you know, but it's just so easy for us to shift childlike trust away from God to, I'm putting faith in my intellect. I, I understand. I know. But it's exalting the God of intellect. Other areas as well. 
as it says, that the, your, the just shall live by faith. No, that it would be our faith in the natural realm. So, so when we look at, when we live by sight, it's like we live by the physical realm. The physical realm becomes our God. I don't believe in the supernatural. That's what that type of person would say. I believe in what I see. And it's been so interesting with, um, with our son, Vian. Because there's this unbelief doctrine that's, thing that we're being bombarded from every side continuously. I'm seeing it in all the little books he reads. Every little book he reads about, it's dinosaurs millions and millions and millions and hundreds of millions of years ago. And then he's reading in the school things that says, well, the world was created, Big Bang, 13 billion years ago. So now he comes to me and he says, I tell you, how does this thing work now? I don't understand. You know, he went to this dinosaur expo, and again, they were like millions and millions, and then he came home in tears. He was like, I don't know what to do with this. It's, I feel like I'm in a corner. I don't know what, I, I, I don't know how I can believe in all, everything you're saying. He was like asking me and Sonic, are you the only people that believe like the Bible? Do the other people in the church also believe? I said, yes, most of them. <laughs> So then I started to engage with him, and I asked him a few questions. Okay, Vian, so 13 billion years ago, who was there? Who saw it? Uh, no, I don't know. There was no person there. 100 million years ago, who was there? Uh, no. No, there was no one there. There was no person who saw it. But they, they write these wonderful fairy tales. So I told Vian, okay, Vian, so think about this for a moment. Big bang. So there was nothing... Then nothing exploded. And now we have everything. <laughs> Think about it. That's stupid. Go blow something up. You don't get order. You don't get human beings and animals and cheetahs and lions and elephants and order and creation. You don't, you don't blow stuff up and then you get something beautiful. But we worship our intellect and we will not allow God to be part of this equation. So we want to figure it out. And so we have these stupid fairy tale rubbish. Can I say it? Absolute rubbish. Fairy tales for grown-ups. It is. And they're bombarding us continuously. This part of the challenge of having real faith because it just seems like everybody believes this nonsense. You know, what about the dinosaurs? Well, in the Bible, I took Vian to, into the Bible, Book of Job, oldest one of the oldest books in the Bible. There are two accounts of him describing dinosaurs. The, the Bible being describing like the one as a brontosaurus. Massive neck, massive tail, brontosaurus in the Book of Job with human beings. Ah, isn't that amazing? So, I'm, yeah, the, the real deal, the real deal is that we can trust the word of God with all our hearts. You know, I'm sitting with the specialist in this week, Sonica. We're doing lunch with him. And I'm thinking he's a specializing just in, um, he's a doctor specializing in bones. And then, so you study all of those years, and then you study even further, and then you specialize into that little part of the body, and then you specialize even further. Like a specialist of the eye. You know, but millions and millions of years of random chance brought us something that we need to really, really, really study hard to figure out how it works. But it's just random chance. No design. No design. 
looks like design. It looks like a biological machine. It looks like there's a loving God who created you and me. He gave us eyes with color. You don't need color to, 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 to survive. Survival of the fittest. Why do we have color? Because we have a loving God. We can see color. Why can we smell? Why can we taste? Because we have an awesome God who loves us so much. And he wants to give us this world and one another so we can enjoy life. But there are these continuous bombardment. No, it's just you know, animals. You know, baby in the womb is just an animal. Kill it soon enough. It's alive again. Ay, they don't even go there now. But there's this bombardment of unbelief. These ideas and thoughts that wants to steal our faith in the, in the Word of God. So, so, so Vian and I, on Thursday evening, uh, we had some Bible study time together. We tried to sit with him every now and again. And so I was, uh, we, he's reading like uh, in this devotional, and then we went to the one scripture, and then we opened the Bible we got for him, a real adult Bible. And so he opens it there, and now we're reading the verses around it, and I'm asking him questions. So I'm just, I mean, just chatting to him. Just, Vian, what do you see there? How do you experience that? And it was so amazing. At some point, he just started to cry. He just said, this is so amazing that I would sit with him. And explain to him the word of God. But I could see God was working there. The word of God is alive. I was saying to him, Vian, the word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's not like any other book. It's not like any other book. It's not like the Heis Genuit. It's not like it. It's different. People's opinions versus God's opinion. More than opinion. God's word that defines the heavens and the earth. One of our challenges for being and battling with unbelief is that we listen to every other voice. Hey, it's on TV. It must be true. No. <laughs> Probably not. We need to lift up, exalt the word of God. The, your, the Bible that you have is not just another book. It is powerful. And we have an eyewitness. So I took Vian as he was asking me about the dinosaurs and the creation of it. So I took him to Exodus 20 where God appeared to Moses on the, on the, on the mountain. And he, uh, he wrote in his own hand in stone tablets. And he said, in six days, I created the heavens and the earth. We have an eyewitness. God Almighty, our eyewitness, who made the heavens and the earth. But so anyway, so we try to, like the natural realm, we, 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 we're continuously shifting our faith in other things. I want to call you to put your faith in the living God. In everything you do. Driving to work. At work, your marriage, your children, are you doing it by faith in God or are you doing it by faith in self? Are you doing it by faith in God or are you doing it by faith in self? I'll unpack this now in a moment. But real faith, real living is to live by faith. Real living is to live by faith. What if everything we do was done by faith? That man walking across the cable. If every step, everything you do would be by faith. That's what I want to challenge us. Everyone lives by faith, but it is faith in the wrong things. Faith in the wrong things is called unbelief. Unbelief. Faith in the bank account. Faith in what I have. The moment, you know, when you, when you don't have much, then you're like forced to trust in God. And the moment the bank account increases, like, oh, thank you. Then we trust in that. Don't trust in that. Trust in the source. God is your source. Shift your focus. 
So look at this. Hebrews 3 verse 12. So let's unpack unbelief quickly. It says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. The, the author is saying uh, unbelief is evil because it blinds us. It disconnects us. It torments us because it in, fear floods in. Fear floods in when there is unbelief. And then it says, in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And then it says, for we become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, 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 say today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So let's unpack that quickly. It says, beware. I want to say to every one of us here right now, beware of unbelief. Beware of the insidious nature of it, of those voices and those thoughts that are bombarding us continuously. Lest there be in any of you, any of you, in other words, any one of us, it can happen to any one of us. We can go down a path of unbelief. And then it says, any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. So what is the heart? The heart is like the source. It is everything flows from that place. Everything flows from that place of your heart, your source. If the source is unbelief, your thinking will be unbelieving. If your source is faith, your way of looking at life will be filled with faith. And then it says, in departing from the living God. Unbelief or faith in other things will always draw you away from God. Faith in God will always draw you to God. So this is my question to you. What are you putting your trust in this December? Do you know I can pick it up already this past week or two? I can pick up the holiday spirit. And it's not a nice spirit. It's the spirit of this world that comes to us and says to us, Hey, that's holiday, and you're going to be happy. If you drink enough, eat enough, mess around enough, you're going to be happy. Eh? Have you heard it this week? Have you heard it? If you go shop this week, yes, you're going to be happy. And we've bombarded with marketing upon, you know, Coke is happiness and everything's happiness. And yes, you'd think they're selling Jesus. All the marketing slogans, it seems like they are selling Jesus. I'm going to find Jesus at the shop. It looks like it. If you read the slogan, I want to warn us. There is no life found outside of Christ. You can shop till you drop. It's not going to make you happy. You can eat until you bloat it. It's not going to make you happy. You're going to feel worse. You can party till you whatever. It's, it's not going to lead to peace, to joy, to happiness. I've done this. I have done holidays, and I have done miserably unsatisfying holidays, and I've done awesome holidays. Do you know what were the awesome holidays? When I chose to put my trust in the living God, Jesus, you make me happy. You are my source. 
I'm going to make time for you, Jesus. I'm going to start the day with you, Jesus. The best holiday Sonic and I have had were the times that we would get up early on holiday. Can you imagine that? Early in the morning. Get up early in the morning, spend time with Jesus for an hour or more, and then we go and do some exercise. And then we have some romantic time over a coffee. Boom. What a day. Started, boom, wonderful, boom. God is in the room. Don't put your faith in that next something that you're going to buy is going to make you happy. It's lying to you. Don't put your faith in things. Put your faith in the living God. Amen. Come on, let's say it. I'm going to put my faith in the living God. Joy and peace comes from Jesus. Nowhere else. Amen. That is the true statement. That is a true statement. But the world wants our money and they want our hearts because when they get our hearts, they get our money. But if our hearts are in Christ, He will get all of us. So I want to really encourage you. Don't fall for the lies of this holiday holiday season. It's supposed to be holy days. Holy days. Holiday. Holy days. It's probably the most unholy days of the year. December into January. The most unholy days. Most of it, across all our churches, it's over December's where most of the students at our different churches lose their way with Christ. It's over December's normally that people stuff up and they need counseling in January. Don't do it. I'm busy. I want to counsel you. I'm doing pre-counseling now. Come on, stay on track. Stay on track. Keep your eyes on Jesus. But you need to ask yourself, why am I being drawn away from Jesus? Because you're putting your faith in something else. That's it. Unbelief. Unbelief in departing from the living God. You're, you're saying to yourself, you're putting faith in that other person to make you happy and, and, and not in God to fulfill you. Come on, you need to get this. I'm saving you a lot of pain now. I'm, save, I'm saving a holiday here for those who have holidays. But the heart, the heart, the key is that it says that the heart, evil, un, unbelieving heart. So it's like the, the source on the inside, even, you know, what, what God wants to, to touch us. So it says, above all things, guard your heart. For it's a wellspring of life. Life flows forth from your heart. So guard your heart. Guard your heart. It's a wellspring. There's a fountain that flows forth from your heart. Unbelief is like a poison. That, that fountain becomes poisoned, and it draws you away from God. Draws you away from God. It becomes poisonous. The fountain we're singing about, there's rivers of life. It becomes poisoned. And then we, draw, we are drawn away. And then it says the hardening of heart. One of the other ways that unbelief comes in is the hardening of the heart through sin. So what happens is... <clears throat> When you are walking in obedience to Jesus, when you are spending time with the Lord and you are following Him, and you're in good space, your heart tends to become soft, responsive to God's leading. The moment you find yourself in sin, it's like this thing creeps into your heart and your heart becomes hard. You just, the Word of God doesn't impact you anymore. You know, I've heard this. People say, ah, church doesn't really work for me anymore, you know. It's really not impact. It's not really, you know, it's not stirring me, you know. 
And then, you know, months later, when you would find out about the secret sins of the, in the lives of those people, things that they've been up to, it, is, it, it disconnects. Sin is stupid. They'd say it's sin is stupid. You know this. I know you know this, but we forget this. <laughs> sin is stupid. It causes hearts to become hard and causes us to draw away from God. Okay, so very quickly. So there's a few solutions in that scripture as well. We need to encourage one another. We need to have confidence in God. That's how we build up. Now, how does unbelief take root in us? A few ways. Just on the slides there. Number one, slowly, over time. A continuous influx of worldliness. You see, what entertains you, enters you. What entertains you, enters you. If dark things entertains you, darkness will enter in. The truth is those things, those things never satisfy. It's a lie. That's how the devil operates. The enemy operates. Hey, it's going to make you happy. Do these things. What enters, entertains you, enters you. Secondly, um, <clears throat> unbelief comes in suddenly. Disappointments. Huge disappointments. Something happens. So often I've spoken to people, and if you trace it all back to their disillusionment, their unbelief, it's like, you know, a parent uh, d- died. Someone died in the family and, uh, and because of that, that the disappointment said, well, where is God? Good God, you're kidding me. Why did this happen? All I can say to you is God is not the author of pain or confusion or death or destruction. He's the author of life. But this world is messed up. So we need to understand that as well. You need to go back sometimes and deal with that massive disappointment so that you can believe again. So that you can believe again. Okay, so slowly, secondly, suddenly, thirdly, unbelieving theology. It's still touching on the whole thing about evolution, but also on how we read the Bible. It's amazing when I speak to some people, they literally come to the Bible with unbelieving eyes. It's like glasses. They come to the Bible, unbelieving eyes. They're like, what am I not allowed to have? That's how they read it. I do not read it like that. I'm like, what is my daddy in store for me today? What has my heavenly Father made available to me? Because he said, all that is his is mine. That's a different way of reading. But you see, even pastors and preachers will fight me into the grave for reading the Bible like I read it. But it makes me so happy. (laughs) I have so much peace and joy, and the fruit is awesome. So I choose faith over unbelieving rubbish. Do not... Allow unbelieving doctrines to define how you read the scriptures. And then fourthly, unbelief is faith in things other than God. Have faith in God, not in self. Quickly, just want to unpack this, just to end off. Faith in God implies, implies no faith in self. Faith in God implies no faith in self. Now, I'm not saying we break ourselves down. If you've been in the church for long enough, you know that I believe in believing in people. I believe in that we need to have confidence. But it's something that I've picked up that I feel the Lord wants to shift in us. Something in myself, maybe you can resonate with this. It's like we start off having no confidence in self. We have faith in the living God. And now we start spending time with God. We pray, we read the Bible, we fast maybe even, we do a whole bunch of things. And then suddenly there's a shift 
away from, oh God, to, man, I prayed for two hours. In other words, there's a shift that happens from, I have faith in what God has done, I have faith in who God is, I have faith in what He has done for me, to a place where I have faith in my own works. I read the Bible. Wow, look at me. It is subtle. It's a subtle shift. I experienced this years ago. I, was, I felt the Lord leading me to fast. So I fasted for, what, 14 days on water, and then a month or two later, 21 days. Do you know the result of all of that fasting? I became, became incredibly proud. I was like, why don't other people pray like I do? Why aren't other people as awesome as me? You. The Lord worked hard to get that arrogance out of my heart. I have discovered, as the scripture says in John chapter 15, Jesus said, for you can do nothing without me. You need to get this. You can do nothing without God. If you get up in the morning without being taken away in an ambulance, it is the grace of God. Because it's His breath in our lungs. It's His life. If He would withdraw Himself from us, we're tickets. If you are able to get up in the morning and find a spot to do some Bible reading and prayer, it wasn't you. It was the grace of God. It was the grace of God moving on the inside of you to stir you to read the Scriptures and pray. Do you realize that you didn't choose Jesus when you came to Christ originally? He chose you. He did. And then we respond to His love. We didn't save ourselves. We didn't stir a love for God in ourselves. We aren't able to read and pray and study the Scriptures. It is all by the grace of God. So the Apostle Paul, when he was defending his apostleship, he spoke to the guys and he said, Guys, I labored more than all of the apostles. He's so arrogant. They said, I labored more than everybody. I did more than all of the other apostles combined. That's in a sense what he's saying. And then he says, but it wasn't I. It was the grace of God that was working in me. So Paul got this thing down. He could fast and pray and pursue God and do incredible things, but he always knew where it came from. It came from God. And I feel that's one of the tricks of the enemy. He traps us. Because now we are. There's something stirring in our midst. Us, more of us are praying more. More of us are fasting more. More of us are reading the scriptures more. More of us are stepping out. Glory to God. Awesome. But there's a trick, a trap right there. That you think it's you. And you don't realize it's the spirit of Christ working through you. Jesus said you can do nothing. Nothing. You know what, what, what real faith, sometimes people, you know, they imply, well, I have faith, so I don't need to do anything. The, the evidence of real faith is action. The evidence of faith is you're going to pray, because, I mean, you believe God's going to hear you. The evidence of faith is that I believe in the Word of God, so I'm going to study it. I know it's the Word of God. It's powerful. The evidence of faith is I'm going to live it. But then, we need to make sure that our faith doesn't transition from God to, well, I've prayed for an hour, so I feel confident today. I've read my Bible, so I've, I, 
No, no, no confidence, no faith in what I have done. It was just awesome to spend time with Jesus. It was wonderful. I can't help myself. He is my life source. The just shall live by faith. Faith meaning I'm, gonna, I'm drawn to God. Faith in God means I am drawn to him. I can't help myself. And this is what I feel God is doing in me right now. I am sensing a stirring and a drawing to God like I have never experienced. But I picked this up, this trap on the inside of me like, whoa, but now if I don't do all of that many hours, then I don't have confidence. No, that's nonsense. It doesn't make sense to, to shift. It's not by works. Now look at this verse. This is very powerful. Galatians 5, verse 4 to 5, it says, You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law. So that was the Old Testament law. It was about circumcision. But I believe it's the same for every one of us. We tend to fall back to works. It's like originally, oh, all my confidence is in Jesus and his blood for me. And he washes me clean. And my, my, my righteousness is like filthy rags. I have nothing good to offer God. We start off there, and then over time, we start making laws. Well, if I do that, then I feel good about myself. And if I do that, then I feel good about myself. And if I do that, then I believe God's going to be pleased with me. Do you know the Bible says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In other words, you can do all the morally right things, and God isn't pleased. He isn't pleased because he's looking for faith. He's looking for people who trust in him. He's looking for partners with whom he can change the world. God is looking for faith. Let's say it. God is looking for faith. And now that verse says you've become estranged from Christ. You attempt to be made right with God through your good works. And he says you have fallen from grace. As a guy walking on the rope. So you're walking. And now you start to trust in self, you start to trust in your own works, you start to trust in what you have done instead of only trusting in the cross. And what happens? You, you didn't realize that the, the rope you're walking on is called grace. And it disappears and you fall, you fall, you fall, you fall from grace. You suddenly can't connect with Jesus anymore. You suddenly feel far from God. You suddenly feel condemned and ashamed and horrible. And you just, God, where are you? You're fallen from grace because you're trusting in self. The pride, the proud, his heart is not right within him. His soul is not right. But the just shall live by their faith in God. I want to call you to faith. Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. So, the last bit there, it says, not in the end it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Only faith working through love avails anything. Only faith working through love avails anything. Only faith pleases God. Faith in God, not faith in self. What if everything we do, every step we take, would be a step of faith? In God. You know, the guy walking on that rope, he's like, oh, look at me, I am awesome. And then he forgets. He forgets that the rope is grace. The ability to see is grace. The ability to walk is grace. All we have comes from the living God. I don't want to put my faith in my abilities or my skills. 
What if you would come to your marriage or to your relationships with faith in God? I see so often we try to do even our relationships in our own ability. You know, I don't, I, we don't have the capacity to keep on forgiving and loving well and being kind. It is the grace of God when you are able to forgive and love well. Amen. Come on, I want to shift something. I believe something's going to drop in our spirit, in our heart, where there's no confidence in self. No confidence in self, but confidence in the living God. Faith in God implies no confidence in self, no faith in self, no faith, no trust in self. Another amazing scripture there as well. Um, I'm not going not to read it, but you know the Pharisee? There were two. Uh, Jesus told the story of a Pharisee and another guy, and uh, a, a real bad sinner. And the Pharisee came to Jesus with, God, thank you that I am not like these other sinners. God, I thank you that I fast twice a week and I tithe. I am just quite awesome. But I'm not going to say it because I know I shouldn't say it, but I am. You know, God wasn't pleased with that. It doesn't say don't tithe. It doesn't say don't fast. Fast, tithe, give, go. The, 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 the manifestation of faith is action. Obedience, stepping out. But it's not putting our faith and our trust in that. So I just want to stir you. So off with this and then I'll ask a question or two someone had a picture for me a vision and in this vision they saw me like a little child running to Jesus with arms open and as I was running to Jesus the next moment the scene was changed transformed and this man saw me standing in front of a huge number of people preaching the gospel, like an evangelistic open-air thing. But that just, it, was conf- it confirmed to me some words the Lord has already spoken about me, about me for my future. But for me, the bit about the child spoke so beautifully. You and I need to become like four-year-olds. What confidence does a four-year-old have? I'm not strong. I'm not smart. I can't do anything without my parents. I have zero confidence in myself, and I believe everything which daddy says. I believe. But there's a place, the kingdom, it says, you can only enter the kingdom of God as a child. You can only enter the kingdom of God as a child. So there's this place where you and I need to come to, where our confidence is not in self and only in the living God. I want to be that four-year-old. Daddy, I trust in you. In every scenario, in every scenario. But do you know what happens? We, uh, we tend to put our faith in other things. In your work environment, say you're the boss, we tend to put our faith in people. We tend to put our faith, as I said, in the bank account. We tend to put our faith in our buildings or our stuff or things that we have. We tend to put our faith in all the wrong places. And we are stressed and worried, anxious, distracted, and all those other things. And says, saying, God, you are the source. You are the source. I'm giving you a key to break out of something that God wants to help us with. Okay, so these few questions. I want to 
challenge you to ask these questions to yourself. In everything you do, I want to ask you in terms of your marriage, in terms of your business, in terms of your relationships, in terms of your daily living, in terms of your exercise, in terms of whatever it is, in terms of your reading of the scriptures and prayer. Am I doing this by faith in God or self? Am I doing this by faith in someone else, in someone or something else, or in God? Come and ask yourself this question. Am I doing this by faith in God or in self? Ask yourself the question, why am I drawing towards this? Why am I being drawn to something? Why am I excited about something? Am I putting my faith in that thing or am I putting my faith in Jesus? Evaluate yourself over this holiday season. Why are you being drawn to a place, something or someone? Is it by faith in God or something else? What does faith look like? Faith looks like this. Faith looks like this. Faith is based on this. I believe my God is good. I believe He is good. I believe He is powerful. What do I also believe? I believe today is going to be a good day because God is with me. I believe this week is going to be a great week because God is for me. How do you go into your day? How do you get up in the morning? Do you get up and say, well, I haven't prayed enough, or I haven't done this enough, or my life isn't perfect, so I don't have any confidence? Or do I get up in the morning and I say, God, but I believe in your faithfulness. You are God. You are almighty. You are faithful. I'm going to, every step will be a step of faith. I'm not putting my faith in people. I'm putting my faith in God, and therefore I can trust people. I'm going to call you higher, to a, to a higher place. Don't fall for the trap of the enemy where you shift your faith, and it actually is simply unbelief. Faith in self. God has called us to have real faith, unstoppable faith. How do you build up big faith? Is by having daily faith. Faith in little things. Faith in the small things. God wants us to rise up with real faith. In Jesus' name.